National media continues to promote negative headlines intentionally designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. We want you to hear from the source rather than a misleading soundbite. To keep this conversation going, support us on the lawmatters1030.org website. It's time we listened to and said thank you to those who spend their lives protecting us. Now let's start the show. Good morning, Tucson. Thanks for tuning in. In the studio this morning, we have TPD Detective Jennifer Crawford. And I've known you. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, I've known her for, what, six years now. It's crazy. Good morning. Good morning. And the way I met you was at an event. At the time, I was on the board for 88 Crime. And you were across the way at the Kino Park. Oh, that's right. And I was looking, I was reading some of the stuff that you had sitting there, and I'm going, wow, I wonder if these people know she's here. (laughs) (laughs) And then I found out you're law enforcement, and you explain, I never heard of sex trafficking before I met you. So it it was an eye-opener. And ever since then, every (laughs) once in a while, we do this show to try to explain to people what's going on. So first, tell the listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, that uh, that was kind of back when things... Or kind of, I feel like just getting started or, you know, you would see a lot in the headlines across the country and a lot of people didn't really know, you know, exactly what it was. What does um, it mean? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And it started to kind of take off. You know, I think they always think of like, the, you know, we're so close to the border. So they would contribute it to like human smuggling and the border stuff. So, um, yeah, we've come a long way since then for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so how long have you been on the department? Gosh, I've been on like 26 years now, Come like this summer, 26 years. Wow. So, That's, yeah. And how long have you been a detective? I've been a detective for a twi- little over 23 years, 23 and a half years. Then uh, mostly violent crimes and narcotic-related investigations. And then for the last eight years, I've been focused on human trafficking. And that's been quite <laughs> quite the thing. It's developed, like you said, a lot of people at first thought it was like human trafficking or smuggling. Right. And there is a big difference. Can you explain to listeners the difference between sex trafficking and human trafficking? Yeah, well, so actually what it is is, um, and people get confused all the time, even people that we work with. Um, so human trafficking is basically the umbrella term. And then underneath that, you have two categories for like criminal violations, which is sex trafficking and labor trafficking. That's basically how it is. But the, the umbrella title is human trafficking. And then we investigate crimes of sex trafficking or labor trafficking, which basically human trafficking is the exploitation of a person. Um, for profit for obviously either sexual exploitation or labor exploitation and then human smuggling is exploitation against like the border so in human smuggling somebody obviously um, comes across willingly you know on their own free accord they pay someone to bring them across the border so that's not trafficking they're not being exploited they're choosing to come over they're paying somebody to bring them where we find that that may overlap into a human trafficking situation is let's say maybe they're in Mexico or whatever country they're in and they are coming to the United States for the purpose of a job, maybe a housekeeping job or a job on the farm. Once they get to their final destination, that's where we find they might be exploited either sexually or for labor services at their final destination. Maybe it's a fake job. Um, You know, the person that they're working for takes their documents, doesn't treat them properly. Um, so that initial crossing would be smuggling, but ultimately they're wherever they end up at could end up being a trafficking situation. Victimized. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exploited for, again, either sexual services or labor services. 
And a lot of times this doesn't get reported because they know they're here illegally. Absolutely. And, you know, they're between a rock and a hard place. Right, right. And that's part of the, so when you have um, human trafficking, part of the um, criminal element for us is force, fraud, and coercion. So we have to prove those elements um, to be able to make a criminal case. Um, unless someone is under 18, we don't have to prove them, but those elements still need to be involved. Um, labor trafficking is a little bit different, um, but that's especially um, with labor trafficking cases, that's one of the elements that it's um, used against them. It's like, hey, you know, you're illegal, you're going to get deported, you can't call the police. And a lot of times, obviously, the police are very different in those other countries. And so, you know, there's a significant amount of fear you know, about going back or how they've had interactions with them that they are absolutely not going to, you know, seek assistance from law enforcement. Now, a lot of countries, uh, <laughs> law enforcement is feared. They're not absolutely. there to help you. Right. You know, here we call law enforcement, oh, we need help. Right. And so there's that that mental thing that, you know, they come over here and somebody says they're going to call law enforcement. They're afraid. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't see a lot of labor trafficking cases here in Tucson. Doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, We just don't have like obviously that big agricultural nexus that some of the other states might have where you might see it more here. um, More in hotels. Yeah, I would say more of could be like domestic servitude type situation. Maybe some of the uh, massage parlors, um, you know, with the foreign employees. Those are usually areas we might, restaurants maybe, um, those are usually when we get a tip or something to look into, it's in those areas. And it's really a, a modern day slavery. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's not something that, you know, we need to be proud of because it's happening and it's hard for people, you know, you go to restaurants, you go to hotels, you go to these places Sometimes you don't know what you're looking at. Somebody's working there and they're doing it because they have to pay off an amount of money to whoever brought them over, whoever they're indebted to. And you really don't know what you're looking for. Are there signs or clues or red flags that people, if they're, you know, out in their everyday life, they can go, oh, maybe this is a situation that should be reported. Yeah, it's. I would say it's very difficult, um, to be honest, as far as a labor trafficking situation, because the people that might notice more red flags are going to be someone that's having direct interaction with that person, as far as like maybe their, um, might be their boss or like a medical personnel that's like doing some interviewing. So some of the things we say is like, you know, third party control. So maybe they come into a hospital and they're not allowed to speak for themselves or they're looking to that other person like, is it okay for me to say something um, or wherever they're at, you know, they don't have their identification on them. Somebody else is holding it for them. Um, maybe wherever they're staying, are they staying in a room where they have access to come and go freely? Do they have keys? Are they locked in somewhere? Um, you know, is somebody driving them to and from, you know, their job? Do they have any injuries? Um, a lot of times with labor trafficking, obviously you have uh, malnourishment, you know, injuries, uh, fatigue, dehydration, things like that from like doing the work and not being taking care of properly because they might be living depending on the situation particularly like more with the farm areas you know they might be living on the property where they're actually working as well um of course that would be a little different probably for you know restaurants and hotels here so it that's definitely going to be a little bit harder for just i would say like a general public member probably to see to yeah to recognize what you're looking at some some things are easier to recognize than others yeah and this this unfortunately it's hard to identify somebody so, you know, you're talking about the poverty and the economic, you know, vulnerability of these people. 
Have you had any success stories getting getting people out of situations like that? You know, they're here illegal. They're being used as a slave. We have really not, to be honest, we have not had any labor trafficking cases here in my eight years that we have um, brought to any you know level of prosecution. We've had a couple that we've looked into, but they never developed into an actual case for us. Um, they've just been, you know, again, not to say that it's not going on here, but we just never had any that that turned into anything. And I really can only call about like three tips maybe that we got in eight years that we even looked into. And is that because uh, the victim would have to also be a witness and they're afraid to do that? Yeah, correct. You know, they have to be um, willing to come forward and obviously cooperate. And then a lot of our stuff we would get, but it would actually just turn out to be, you know, smuggling cases, which is not handled by us. That's actually a completely separate, um, usually Homeland Security Investigations uh, handles those on their own. I want to talk about the Operation Cross Country. And I know the FBI put out a, a notice, an announcement. They had over 200 sex trafficking victims that they rescued, including 59 missing children. 59 missing children. That's huge. And they they did this on a operation called Operation Cross Country. You're familiar with that. I am. We uh, participated in it several years ago when we were had our formal federally funded task force where we had um, joint operations with Homeland Security Investigations and the FBI at the time. And so we participated in it with them. Yeah, this says that they it included 126 suspects of child sex exploitation and human trafficking. 68 of those suspects were either identified or arrested. And this is why I tell people we need to say thank you to our law enforcement professionals and listen to what the, they have to say because they want to share their knowledge with us. And honestly, the only people who want these agencies defunded and dismantled are the people committing the crimes. So be careful who you vote for, right? And today we've got that movie, a double feature movie that we are hosting at the Burger Theater, which is 1200 West Speedway. And we're hoping everybody shows up for that because there'll be a lot of knowledge. We've got a Q&A panel that'll answer all your questions, questions that I can't answer. <laughs> So you, you can stay out of the heat. It's there's a big heat warning today. So this is a good good uh, event for you guys to come out to. Yeah, and you might even need a sweater. It was really cold <laughs> in there yesterday. So, okay, let's talk about the consequences. Somebody gets arrested for sex trafficking. What happens? Well, hopefully they go to prison. <laughs> yeah, but for how long? What What are the consequences? Um, so again, just like any crime that you get arrested for, it's all there's going to be different factors involved, obviously. Um, one, your age, and then your background. So do you have previous arrests? Do you have previous convictions, felony convictions? So like your record is going to come in, into play with, you know, how much your sentencing is going to be, you know, obviously. And granted, this is going to be a serious offense, obviously. So it's going to involve, you know, potentially a lot more time than something else. But somebody with no priors, which means, you know, previous convictions might still get less time than, let's say, someone who did the exact same thing, um, but has, you know, five, you know, priors. And what are the priors for? Are they for other, you know, sexual related based offenses or are they, you know, are they something else? Are they violent? Things like that. So those will all come into play the history. Um, and then it depends if you go federal or state, you know, there's different um, penalty ranges for that. And then it also depends on the age of the victim. Um, you know, if the victim is under 15, then there's like additional time that they can get for dangerous crimes against children. 
Um, so that comes into play. So there's a whole bunch of different factors. And then as far as I think you said, for sex trafficking, does that person all also possess um, child sexual abuse material, which most people probably know as child pornography. We just don't call it that anymore. So if they have photos... What do, what do they call it? Child sexual abuse material. So that's, that's, that's the new term. So it used to be child pornography, I think is what most people are used to hearing. But we wanted to... Not we as like me, but... The community or the law enforcement, they wanted to get away from that term because people kind of akin pornography with like adults. So now it's called child sexual abuse material. Okay. C- we call it CSAM. <laughs> you probably hear about it today in, in the movies. But, um, you know, so we've had cases where I've had victims that have been sex trafficked, but then the trafficker also had, you know, nude images and videos of that minor on their phone. And so now I've got a sex trafficking charge and now I've got child sexual abuse material charges and up each image of those can carry potentially maybe like 10 years each. So that's that's huge. That actually is going to have more of a... Um, Impact? Yeah, that, to be honest, really, than some of the, the other charges potentially. I mean, that's they carry a lot more weight, so... So somebody can go away for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could, you got people that could be, you know, potentially in there for, you know, 20, 30, 40, I mean, maybe even life, depending on, you know, how egregious, you know, the situation was. And, it, and it's all different, you know, how... I mean, obviously, every case is bad of sex trafficking, and let's, you know, be realistic. But, you know, obviously, some could be more egregious than others, depending on, you know, what level of, you know, violence, if there's a lot of violence involved or, or not, or, or, you know, just different factors, so. Do you know if these people... um are they put into a special <clears throat> prison? Are they separated from no. other? They're just everybody yeah. goes in the same. As far, as far as I know, obviously I'm not involved on the prison side, but yeah, as far as I know, they're not like kept in any like special like sex offender unit or anything like that. Sex offender. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe. I feel like there are in some places, but again, I you know I don't know a lot about the prison side of it. But yeah, no, I'm not aware. You know of the rest of how they've just been. You know, they've done their time. I have some that have done their time and they're back out. So doing it again. I hope not. Do they do? The, when they get out, do people get a notice saying, hey, they're coming out? So like only the victims? if they had the victims, yes, would um, community would not unless they had to register for, uh, as a sex offender. And sometimes that is often part of like the deal or if, let's say they took a plea, you know, and they're getting like less time than going to trial. A lot of times that will be part of the plea is in, OK, well, when you get out, you have to register for a sex offender and you will be on the, you know, the list for forever. Say, yeah. So. Often, often that forever. gets mixed up. Um, I, I've never, I've never heard of it being yeah, like, okay, for five years you're a sex I offender and then you're okay. It is, but I don't want to speak a hundred percent. We are okay. going to have some prosecutors there today that would obviously know that better. That's right. We're going to yeah. have prosecutors there so, today, so we get all our questions. I don't want to misspeak, but I feel like it could be for sure. So okay, um, but yeah, but so community wouldn't be notified unless they had to register for that. But yes, victims do get notifications. And that's that's kind of scary. I remember, and I, I think I mentioned this on another show, um, several years ago, I got a postcard in the mail saying that a sex offender was going to be living in the neighborhood at this address. I went, ooh. <laughs> 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 what? <clears throat> so I moved. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so have at it. <laughs> so what are the efforts to combat this? What what do I know? It's not just one agency; it's a, a team of agencies. Or you know, you work with the county, you work with the state, you work with everybody. Works together on this. 
What are the efforts to combat something like this? Uh, are you talking about here locally or just like in general? <laughs> What, what can you speak to? Um, I mean, I think it's kind of the same all across the country. I mean, here, obviously, exactly what's happening today. Um, you know, you putting, you know, hosting this event today and trying to bring awareness. Um, you know, obviously, being law enforcement, it's a little different because we deal with criminal investigations. But for community members, we want it's all about bringing awareness and education. I mean, we are so much further than we were when I first started this. Um, oh, since I met you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'll have events now. And I mean, definitely when, you know, if I raise my, you know, if I open questions, you know, how many of you have heard of sex trafficking, man? Um, you know, no, every, everybody. almost everybody has raised their hand, whereas back in the day, like nobody would. So yeah, I didn't know what it or, was. Or like questions, you know, get less and less as we go out and do things, which is great because that means the community is understanding, you know, what is happening and what it is. You know, there's still a little bit, I think of like, they're not sure how it happens, um, and especially, you know, with that new movie coming out, The Sound of Freedom, I think I've been talking to some people that kind of, and I haven't seen it yet, um, but, you know, are still, there's still a little confusion about like how that movie is and related to what's happening here. Um, but just as far as like what we're doing, I mean, we still are, even though we are not federally funded anymore and have joint partnerships with the FBI and like Sheriff's Department and Homeland Security um, like we did officially for Saturn, we still maintain our partnership with Homeland Security Investigations. Um, so, you know, you, we just basically, we are still running. We just don't have federal funds. We bring it down to grassroots. We involve more of our community and our partnerships um, that we previously made. Um, we rely on, you know, different NGOs here in town, um, different nonprofits and people, you know, obviously you guys, anybody just who supports us to come together because it really is just a community effort you know, to be aware and be involved and just to care about what's going on in your community. And that's the whole idea of bringing the community together to, for these educational events is so that you know what's going on. Right. And by doing this today, you're empowering your kids to not just to not be groomed and not just recognize a bad actor in person, but on the Internet right. and be able to report it. And that's the huge thing now, and I don't think people realize, and just like when I mentioned the movie and they think how it happens, is 95% of the cases that we get are generated online. Even adult adult victims and juvenile victims have met their predator, trafficker, whatever you want to call it, online. I mean, that's the world we live in. I think if anybody thinks differently, I mean, it's crazy. You know, even parents that my kids don't have, you know, access to, to social media or they don't have it. Well, I guarantee you they do. You just don't know about it. And so that's why it's so important to understand how they're getting access, what they're getting access to, how these predators work online, and you need to just educate your kids. That's the most important thing I think that I can say about any of this is talk to your kids, educate your kids, know what the dangers are so that you're aware. I mean, nothing's 100%. You can't, you know, we can give you all the tools and the safety information and, you know, something still might happen to your kid and, and you might have talks daily with them and you check their phones and, you know, your kids are open and honest with you, but, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen. And so we just want you to have the most up-to-date, best information you can to have those discussions with your kids and, you know, hopefully they're going to make some good choices and be aware to, to spot bad people. Yeah, you want <laughs> them to be aware to spot bad people. And, you know, it's it's... I've heard it so many times. You'll have a, a teenager talking to somebody online because they're gaming with them or, or whatever the situation is. So now they feel that's not a stranger. Correct. So they go meet this not stranger. And I've heard stories where people 
perverts will fly across country to meet a teenager mm-hmm. and take advantage of them. Absolutely. You it, know, it's like um, we have a, I think it's a news clip, something in one of my trainings. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't let strangers into your home. Why are you, you know, why are you letting them in? Like, basically, you're letting them into your phones, like in your home. Like, you wouldn't let, open the door. Like, if a stranger shut up on your door, I was like, hi, can I come into your house and have dinner with you? I mean, of course, you're going to say no. You don't know this person. Exactly. But yet, that's exactly what's happening when your kids are engaging with these people online. And what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of people are very smart and savvy and they make fake profiles. So unfortunately, your child might be thinking they're talking to an age appropriate person, but it's really not. It's obviously really an adult, you know, pretending to be a juvenile. And so that's why you really need to be up on the training and, you know, these accounts need to be locked down. They need to be private. Um, But the world, you know, we live in a world nowadays where, you know, what, what do kids want to be nowadays? Social media influencer. I want to have all the likes, all the friends. I want to be popular. I mean, you know, so it's really hard to convince these kids to like keep their accounts, you know, private and not have 5,000 friends and 10,000 followers because that's what the world influence has made it now. It's all about being popular. And um, you saw what that influencer (laughs) did in New York yesterday. Oh, yeah. I I actually did just saw that yesterday morning. It was crazy. Now he's in trouble. (laughs) I mean, you know, exactly. You know, he went viral and that stuff just, you know, takes off like crazy. It's like all these people went there for a free something. Yeah. I think he was handing out gift cards and... And Playstations or something like that. Yeah, something. I mean, of course, that's going to attract something. Absolutely. I mean, that's the world we live in. It's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And so if you're not internet savvy... You, and you're a parent or, you know, you work with kids, you're you're going to have to educate yourself and do your homework. I mean, I'm still not. I mean, every day, you know, I work in threat mitigation now and my roles are changing a little bit on the department. Um, and it's the same thing. It's all social media related. These kids are making threats online, threatening to go shoot up their schools. Yeah. And again, it's that online world, you know, and it's this happening on Instagram, you know, Snapchat, Facebook, you know, Twitter. I mean, that's... And they think because it's online that they can't be found when they can be found and you're going to jail. You're in trouble. how easy is it, you know, we live in a world now where you you bullying, you know, no longer do you have schoolyard fights. You've got someone hiding at home and they're bullying somebody and, you know, you've got kids that are committing suicide now because they're being encouraged and bullied to do that. And that's stuff that's covered in... One of the movies today. Um, yes. It's just, it's a really hard, I mean, I don't want to say horrible, but, you know, a world that these kids are growing up in nowadays. And to navigate through all of that stuff is really hard. And if you don't talk to your kids about it and, you know, do your best to have them make responsible decisions and reach out to trusted adults. And if it's not you, you know, encourage them to go to somebody else, a teacher, or a counselor, you know, there's going to be probably consequences, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's really a sad situation, and we had a listener, Patricia, wants to know what time the movie starts, <laughs> <laughs> and it starts at 10 o'clock, and the doors open at 9.30, so, and that's at the Burger Theater, and these movies were picked specifically because they really relate to what's happening here in town. I know there's, uh, what's the name of the movie that's at the theater right now? Uh, uh, the Sound, Sound of the Freedom. Sound of Freedom. And I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> but part of what I, I noticed about it was it, it was a more global. And while this Correct. situation is happening very globally, we've got it happening right here. And that's why we picked the movies that we're showing today, because it brings it home. These are going to be that, that online relatable nexus. So it's anywhere. I'm like, this is stuff that's happening now. If if you haven't seen um, like the sextortion stuff, that's actually 
um, picking up very trendy where there's financial sextortion now against young boys versus the sexual extortion against what we would normally consider young females. So that's a huge trend going on right now. Yeah, and you're going to have all of this explained to you, and it's <laughs> it's not pretty. And if you don't know how to put the safety things on your telephone to secure your telephone, the six-year-old next door knows how to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just <laughs> bite them over. I call my nephew. Hey, how do I do this? <laughs> so, okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. Hi, this is Sherry asking you to save the dates. On August 5th, Law Matters is hosting a free double feature movie presentation on topics that affect all youth in today's digital world. Bullying, sextortion, and how your children are being sex trafficked right out of your home. Every teacher, parent, and age-appropriate student should attend. After each movie, there will be a Q&A panel made up of law enforcement and prosecutors to answer your questions. Tune in to Law Matters every Saturday morning at 8, and updates will be posted on the lawmatters1030.org website as details develop. Law Matters Live show airs every Saturday morning at 8. We talk with law enforcement on current issues we all need to be aware of to keep our families safe. Law Matters is asking you to help sponsor our mission by contributing on lawmatters1030.org. Every dollar counts and together we can back the blue while we keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Hi, this is Sherry asking you to save the dates. On August 5th, Law Matters is hosting a free double feature movie presentation on topics that affect all youth in today's digital world. Bullying, sextortion, and how your children are being sex trafficked right out of your home. Every teacher, parent, and age-appropriate student should attend. After each movie, there will be a Q&A panel made up of law enforcement and prosecutors to answer your questions. Tune in to Law Matters every Saturday morning at 8, and updates will be posted on the lawmatters1030.org website as details develop. Thanks for staying with us in the studio today. We have Detective Jennifer Crawford with TPD. We're talking about sex trafficking and slavery, modern-day slavery. What are the resources? I know we've got resources in Tucson to help people who are victims of this. What are the resources that you're familiar with that we can offer them? So it kind of depends. Obviously, if they're an adult or a juvenile that's going to come into play and it can be just obviously a little tricky because adult is going to be i don't want to say easier but you're you're not constrained by like is the child under de, you know department of child safety and like that's the guardian you know are they in a home with a parent are they potentially in custody you know at juvenile court for you know whatever reason maybe there's some other stuff going on or potentially you know they're in custody but yet they're still a victim of some stuff um, so, you know, we try to work with agencies that we've worked with in the past. We've worked with Kodak, Behavioral Health, um, you know, and we want to <clears throat> particularly, well, I shouldn't say just adults, even the kids, you know, they might be facing, um, they need help with substance abuse, you know, mental health abuse um, before we even address, you know, all of the other issues, you know, related to um, sex trafficking. Um, also, Sakasa, 
um, is a really good resource. They're the sexual assault organization here locally in Tucson. Um, they're a good uh, something to reach out to. Um, we have Pathways here in Tucson that we've worked closely with. They've been to a lot of our tables before. I'm sure you've seen them there. I've um, had them here. Yeah. So, you know, it, it just it kind of depends on, I don't think there's one, you know, good avenue. We just try to look at like, what is this case involved? Is it an adult or a minor? What's going on with them? And what do we need to adjust first? And let's try to, you know, point them in that direction. And obviously that's going to be separate from my end because obviously I'm focusing on a criminal investigation, but hopefully I can, um, you know, get some of our resources involved that either we've worked with previously and if it's no longer applicable for them for whatever reason, usually they'll have, you know, many other avenues to direct that, you know, victim toward. And a lot of these people, (laughs) these victims have been turned into drug addicts because the people who want to keep them there want more control over them. Correct. Yeah. If you have somebody that is under the influence of drugs, obviously it's twofold. So one, it's easier to control that person. And then once they get them addicted, you know, you can kind of relinquish some of that control because now that person needs it. So now they're going to be, you know, wanting to stay and wanting to get that without you really having to put, you know, your influence on them in the first place. So so they're going to do what they're told because they need the drugs. Yeah. And then there's also the self, you know, they want to obviously self-medicate for lack of a better term, you know, because they're in that situation and the drugs besides being maybe addicted to it, you know, they're using it to obviously not make themselves feel better, but, you know, suppress what is happening to them and the exploitation, you know, it's obviously becomes something that they want to do to less painful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to mask what's going on. So it's the twofold, it's the control. And then it's, you know, for them, it's also a way to, you know, unfortunately kind of cope with that situation that they're in. I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe you can shed some light on this. I don't know. Um, kids that are in foster care, I've heard people say that they're more um, of a victim or they can be victimized easier. Do you know if, if this is true? Because usually I think foster care, I think kids are being protected from something that is right not good. So are you talking like foster care, like with... Um I want to say like the quote parent foster care or like DCS, like the like department child, like group homes. Is there a difference? Tell me the difference. <laughs> well, so the group homes are going to be like, you know, that's where the child is placed. Like, I believe it's like court mandated. I, I don't know all the logistics of that. How many people that. are in that group? Um, so we have a, a many group homes around town and they really? house, a, a, you know, quite a bit of kids in them. I mean, there can be up to I'm anywhere. I'm something new every day. From, you know, and they're involved with DCS. So Department of Child Safety, you know, runs them. Um, it's kids that are in their care and they are placed in a group home um, for whatever reason. Um, and some of their group homes have, you know, potentially up to 20, 20 girls. Some of them are all girls. Some of them are boys and girls. Of course, they're not, you know, housed together, of course, or kept separately. <laughs> but, you know, That's or, one I want or some can have, you know, lower amounts, like maybe 10. So when you're dealing with the group homes, you know, absolutely. The kids that are in the group homes, unfortunately, um, they run away frequently because they're not secure facilities and they can't, staff can't obviously, you know, grab them and forcefully hold them if they're trying to, you know, leave the facility. You know, they they have their own constraints and rules and that's not my area. So I don't want to speak on that. But, um, you know, these kids, unfortunately, based on my experience, you know, they freely come and go. It's like a revolving door. They... They run away, they come back, but of course they're more susceptible because when they run away, what are they looking to do? You know, group home have rules, you know, you have curfews, you got to be home at a certain time. So they don't like that. They take off, they want to hang out with their friends and party and, 
you know, maybe they're doing drugs and drinking. And so, of course, these predators, they know where these group homes are in town. I mean, it's not a secret. Oh, they'll hang out nearby, maybe at a convenience store, or we have one that's located near McDonald's. I mean, they know where the kids go and hang out. And so, of course, you know, if these kids are hanging out there, of course, they're going to be more vulnerable and, you know, they will make it a little bit easier target. Like, you know, hey... I'll give you a ride here. You know, do you want some drugs? Do you want a meal? Do you want a phone? Make money. You know, yeah. I mean, here then it comes into play of like, let's see what we can, you know, get from them, and they start to build that friendship and that relationship. Um, Foster kids, I would probably say, um, I've done training to foster parents. I would probably say they're just kind of in the same thing because obviously, if they're foster kids, they're not with their, you know. A paternal, you know, family members, their their biological parents, for whatever reason, they are now, you know, in somebody else's care. So I am just going to, you know, assume that obviously maybe they have, you know, some background, maybe some trauma in their background or something like that. So I would assume they would too be a little bit more vulnerable, you know, to potentially to predators. You know, anybody who's not in your, you know, your original biological care family home, you know, if you're removed for whatever reason and put somewhere else, you know, I would say something is probably going on, you know, whether it's emotional, physical, whatever the case might be that, you know, you're going to end up with some vulnerabilities, maybe more than others. So kids end up in foster care because their home life is, is in turmoil possibly. I would say, yeah, I haven't dealt, had a lot of foster care cases, but you know, I've, that's my kind of understanding, right? I mean, yeah, people foster kids who have been removed from their homes. As you just re- made me think about a, a situation years ago before city of Tucson closed down the TV station, we had a nonprofit called real kids productions, R E E L. And the kids would do TV shows. And I had a young man who was assigned to me from the court system, juvenile court, and he couldn't get to the station. So I would go pick him up and he never missed he was always there. And I asked him, where are your parents? Oh, well, they're sleeping. They didn't get home until a little while ago or whatever. This Right. And I'm like, wow. You know, this was the steady in his life for the time he was with yeah. me. And I always made sure he was fed before I took him home <laughs> because I didn't know if he'd be fed. And <clears throat> it, it just, you just rang that bell with me as that's a situation. I wonder if he should have been in foster care someplace. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and again, I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not involved directly with that area, but I would think, you know, the foster parent situation would potentially at least hopefully involve a little bit more stability because obviously they are families, you know, that they take kids yeah, into their home versus the group home situation, which is, you know, court ordered and there's, you know, a lot of kids in there and you only have staff workers, you know, you don't have that personal, you know, kind of family environment there. So they are different. See, I didn't know we had group homes. Oh yeah, we have a lot. I mean, they're everywhere. Obviously they're all, it's not just, you know, it's a nationwide I'm just finding this out. <laughs> I'm stunned. <laughs> you know, I thought if something was wrong, they'd go to a foster parent. Yeah. I mean, and, obviously, yeah. And I don't know what differentiates between, you know, going to the foster parent and the, and the group home. I, I don't, I don't know either. those logistics. That's not my area of expertise. But uh, Well, now I'm going to have to do a show <laughs> on the difference. Yeah, there. Have people come oh. in and explain this to <laughs> us because it's it's significant. <clears throat> so... When you have somebody that, you know, you know some resources can help them, it sounds like there's a a huge definition between which resource can help which victim. 
How do you go about, you know, defining that? And do you have people that you take care of or you've had in your custody, I guess you'd say, more than once, same person? Yes. Yeah. I have dealt with uh, adults multiple times, victims, and I have dealt with juveniles consistently multiple times because that vicious, like I said, like the revolving door where they're the group home, you know, they run away and they, maybe they get caught up in something and, and not always, it's not always, you know, a sex trafficking incident, but like it's come across, you know, to us to like look into multiple, you know, if they've been out multiple times and something's going on. So yeah, we certainly have seen certain names have been, you know, on the revolving, revolving door, unfortunately. I know it's not easy to get out of a situation like that. And We've interviewed people who have been in that situation, who were taken out of the situation and couldn't deal with being on this side of the sex trafficking and actually went back to it. How do you mentally, how does that work? Why would you want to go back to a situation like that? You know, it's just hard and, and, and by no means I'm not involved in the mental health, you know, area at all. So that might be, you know, a better question for someone on that end. Um, I just do know that, you know, so I had a case uh, with a young lady um, and she was being trafficked by her boyfriend. Um, he, even Charming. though, well, even though the term can be boyfriend for the pimp, he was actually her boyfriend. They actually had a child together. So they did have an actual like, you know, romantic relationship as well. But he was also exploiting her and trafficking her. Um, and I got her away from him multiple times, you know, trying to work with her to, you know, make a case against him. I got her into placement, into housing, counseling, drug support. She would leave. She would go back to him. I think we did this. I think I actually, this is probably the longest victim that I had worked for. I want to say like two years I tried to work with her and our prosecutor today is on the panel was also involved, um, you know, and just trying to help and, and help us get this case against this guy. And I just think that the, and again, you know, I'm not in the mental health world. So I just want to preface that, but you know, that, that trauma bond. And, and this was obviously a little different for her because obviously she had a child with him, you know, so you had that bond. Um, I do know that he would use that child, you know, against her. And because she, she had already lost one of her kids. Her her parents had custody, you know, just because of obviously the situation in her life. She was also severely drug addicted. Um, on his on his part, he would absolutely supply her with drugs um, and keep her on the hook for that. And she just could not break that bond with him of, you know, that trauma bond that they had. And, and he had her kid and he would just emotionally manipulate her and... Um, it was just really sad and um, it did not have a good ending that case, unfortunately. Um, she ultimately um, died from an overdose oh, um, by drugs that were supplied to her by him. So it did not have a good ending, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. Um, you know what? Now, can he be held for murder? He no. supplied her with the drugs? I, it's that was. It's not even in my jurisdiction, so I don't so even want to comment on that. <laughs> I'm just wondering. No, no. I, well, yeah. I mean, you always think. I think that they did kind of look into things, and I, I wasn't involved in um, her death investigation at all. So um, it's too bad. It's just sad, you know, that she was not able to, you know, just break away. And you know, we tried and, and tried the life. resources, and she did have family here in town, and it, she she just couldn't do it, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, you just, you don't know what's, what's going on in their minds. And there may have been a lot more going on than, you know, that I had no idea about that she, right. she, she didn't share with me. So I, it's just hard to say, but 
You can't help but wonder what kind of life that baby has, though. Um, but I know the kids are doing very well. Um, you know, the, the grandmother has them here in town. and oh, she has both of them? She has both of them. They're, They're doing very well. Yeah, they are not with the traffickers family. So um, hopefully, you know. Hopefully they'll grow up and, yeah. and not experience a, a life situation, like that. But it's not unique. I mean, that, that frequently happens where victims will return to their traffickers, unfortunately. How long does it take to put a case like this together? They're they're long. They're very time consuming. I would say we usually work cases maybe at least six months. I would say a minimum of six months, potentially to up to a year. Um, only because a lot of times you are going through like you know most of our evidence for us would be is a lot of it's in the phones and computer stuff of course nowadays because that's where everything is and so that all takes time to forensically process and maybe you can't get into stuff so you got to crack through codes and you got to comb through these you know phones i had a phone once that had you know i don't even remember like just like 50,000 image you know i mean it's time consuming like you know 5 wow. hours it took me to just to look through like the photograph section and that's not counting you know text messages and this and that and depending on what you're looking for and then you also you know you're probably doing multiple interviews and if your victim isn't stable when you first recover them you obviously their welfare is your primary concern so you know maybe you have to get them into substance abuse first and like let's get them clean and then okay well now let's deal with the mental health trauma and we got to make sure that they're safe and then now we can address like the criminal stuff where we have to ask you know the hard and uncomfortable questions and make them delve back into that world that you just kind of rescued them out of you know and that's hard to do and a lot of times they don't want to talk about it right away which is completely understandable when we have a victim or potential victim we always you know tell them originally we try not to just immediately jump into the criminal part. You know, we try to build that trust and, you know, hey, let's just have like a conversation. You know, like when I first maybe meet them, it's like all about, you know, what can I get you to drink? Can I get you some food? And just having a conversation. So, you know, what have you been doing? Where are you from? What do you do here? Where do you live? Just basic questions. And then you have limited amounts of time. You don't want to, you know, make it an interrogation of them. And so you might be, that might get dragged out for a while while they're, while you're trying to get that information out of them. Do you find they're forthcoming when you first separate them from their situation? No, not at all. Typically, they clam up? Yeah. And are they afraid because the person who's controlling them will have a reaction to their Yeah, absolutely. You know, we try to tell, like, if we have officers, like, immediately, you know, or anybody when we do trainings, like, if you suspect them, you know, immediately separate, you know, them out. You don't want them in line. Like, so if they're in the field still with, like, the police officers on the front lines, you know, we separate them no icon we don't want her or him in the line of contact of that person of that potential trafficker so either put them in a car or just take them off the scene wherever you know because obviously there's rules about maybe moving people if you don't know what's going on yet but yeah out of line of sight you don't want him or her to be able to look at each other um and so yeah and also they're very afraid a lot of times they'll open up more with us than they will with that officer that's in the uniform you know with the gun and the tack vest on you know because they could look very intimidating and again we talked about earlier Maybe they've had very bad interactions with police officers, not because the officers were, you know, intentionally, you know, being, you know, mean or disrespectful, but because, you know, maybe they've been arrested before by, you know, for prostitution or who knows what. Plus the... Well, you don't want to talk about this stuff to a guy anyway, if you're being abused. Uh, yeah. I mean, some, some guys are very good though at, at, you know, their job. So I don't want to say that, but you know, the, the trafficker also tells them, you know, Hey, the police aren't going to help you. You know, they're going to throw you in jail. You're out there, you know, involved in prostitution or selling drugs or whatever you're doing. 
So they make it seem like the bad guy. So when we come in, when we finally bring them to like our office, we have, we call it like a soft room. So it's couches and it looks like kind of like a little living room. We want it very low key, not like an interrogation room. And I'll show up and usually like jeans and my t-shirt. I will not have my gun visible or my badge visible. I have my ID on, but that's about it. And I introduce myself, you know, I am Jennifer. I don't say Detective Crawford. I try to make it as informal as possible. Um, you know, and just simple things like give them choices, you know, like, Hey, would you like something to drink? What would you like this or that? Because a lot of times they don't have choices and just giving them little simple be in charge of power. Exactly. Giving them little simple things can make a huge difference. Just try to build that trust. And we always make it sure like, you know what, you don't have to talk about anything that you're not comfortable with, but I would like to talk to you about, you know, what's going on today. But first, you know, let's make sure to get you something to eat or something to drink, maybe some clothes, you know, blanket, whatever. And then then we'll go from there. Yeah, so that's that's nice. You're you know? very nice. <laughs> well, and <laughs> well, and we call it a victim-centered approach because it which has changed from like 6 like 8 years ago when we first started actually. Yeah, because they were guilty. Right, we didn't used to. I mean, I'll be honest, when we first started, you know, doing this, we were still arresting, making arrests for like prostitution right. and things like that if if they didn't want to cooperate. And then, you know, things started coming out across the country of like, whoa, like this is going on. We need to change tactics, you know, because nobody knew. So now we flip it and it's called victim-centered approach and it's all about, you know, they're a victim and treat them and we we do that. We don't arrest for prostitution or, you know, that type of stuff. I mean, obviously if there's another crime going on or you know, something else, I mean, you might have to obviously address that. You can't just not arrest them for anything if something serious is going on. But yeah, for like that type of stuff that they are being forced to be involved in, you know, we don't. We don't worry about that. Obviously. Yeah, I don't know anybody who, when they were little, thought, I'm going to grow up and be a prostitute. It's my dream. <laughs> you know, it's not something that you want to do or be a drug yeah. addict. And we always make it very clear to them that, you know, hey, you, we are here to support you and get you services and get you out, even if they are doing it of their own accords, like a sex worker. Like, let's say there's no trafficker involved. We just tell them, hey, we're here to give you some resources and support. Again, if it's a minor, it's a little bit different because, you know, they have guardianship, but, um, but they don't have to be involved in a criminal case. Like even the like we do not have to make a report or, you know, cooperate, but we will still get you resources and services. So we make it clear that, Hey, we're still willing to give you help and support, even if you don't want to cooperate on the criminal end. Do any of these resources help them with uh, job training? Because I think that would be, a big thing if yeah. they don't have I think the gospel skills. rescue mission has some programs if i remember correctly um that will do that and then i'm trying to think off the top of my head who else <laughs> play the tiktok music <laughs> 60 minutes i mean it's hard there you know there's we reach out i mean phoenix has a lot more stuff obviously than we do um but i mean there are you just you know usually you it's like making that- a phone call of like okay wait who do i know this kind of in this area that's going to be able to direct me to somewhere else. You would think that Pima Community College would want to be a part of that network where, hey, yeah, we can help you, train you, and get you into a position. What are your interests? Right. Do you want to be a mechanic, cook? Or, you know, you would think they would want to be a part of that. Somebody should talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know that, you know, there are some good support services. Like Gospel has helped us out in the past with like, you know, even getting them IDs. Sometimes they don't have IDs and stuff either. And so you have to address getting them their security card or their driver's license and their ID because they don't have any of that. Now, are these people that you're talking about from 
Tucson yeah. or are they from other areas yeah, of the no, country? Like, no, just like victims here in town. But Local for whatever people. reason, they don't have, you know, IDs anymore. Or it was taken away. And, you know, so these now, are people coming over the border. These no. are people that live right here yeah. in Tucson who need help. Yeah. Need our help. You know, and, and that all takes time because, you know, they're lost and they're confused. They don't know how to like go online and, and do all this stuff because you've got to realize that maybe for months, potentially years, they've been under the influence of this trafficker who has controlled their entire life. And so now you've removed them from that. You can't expect them to be able to go and do all this stuff themselves. So, you know, they need assistance with those simple things sometimes. Yeah. And, and there are agencies that will help. Um, I'm just not, because we've had such a shuffle on a reorg, I'm not exactly sure who does what anymore. There's a um, lot of shuffling going on, but the resources yeah, are still there. Yeah, it's just a matter of making some calls and usually you can end up, you know, finding something. You just might have to make a couple calls. And finding out, <laughs> you know, the victim, their details right depend on where this person would go for help anyway right and you know and maybe they're not from tucson and so then you logistics you got to get them back to wherever it is that they want to go or where they're from where they're living you know we have had some from california las vegas phoenix is a little easier it's not that far away we've actually driven people you know back up there so you've you've taken them back up to Mm -hmm. phoenix Yep. You don't ask them to come get them? <laughs> we, we have, but, you know, scenarios sometimes, oh, you, you know, it's only an hour and a half. And if that's what we need to do to get somebody into a, a placement, we'll do it. You know, we've, we've done it, I should say. It's not the norm, but, you know. Oh, you're talking about for resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about family member. No, <laughs> Wait no, a minute. no, no. <laughs> and I'm an Uber driver, too. <laughs> so, yeah, they do have more resources up there. And it's yeah. good to know I mean, that. Obviously, you know, they're much bigger. We could probably take advantage of those resources if we know what they are. Yeah, you do have, unfortunately, because it's not like they don't offer, but a lot of times if you have a victim here, like they don't want to leave because we have offered, hey, there's this and this, this, this and this in Phoenix that we can get you into. And they'll be like, you know, no, I don't, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to go there. So, you know, then you've got that, which is, that's their choice. So, and we are much cooler in temperature. (laughs) Oh, five degrees. <laughs> it makes a difference, right? 110 to 115. Yeah, But, you know, we, we do the best with what we have. Um, you know, you, you obviously, you're always going to have, you know, financial, you know, problems as far as like yeah. any support services, whether it's Tucson Police Department or, a, you know, an, an NGO here in town and, and staffing. And, you know, those are things that you just have to think outside the box sometimes and rely on your community, you know, like today and I've kind of shifted in the last couple of years since we are no longer the federal funds in a formal task force. My focus has become training and outreach because I truly believe that, you know, it lies with like the parents and the adults who work with this youth. If we can train them on what to look for and what to be aware of and how it's happening, that that will make a difference. And especially parents can have, cause it's not really my job to teach your child. I mean, I'm going to be right. honest, that, that's, that's not my job. And these are hard conversations sometimes and you as a parent need to decide when it's appropriate, you know, to have that. You know, yeah, we you have know victims, you know, as long as eight, eight, nine years old. And I don't think sometimes people realize that, but if your kid is gaming or he's using an iPad or an iPhone, he's potentially can be exposed to predators. So, and, and we know that gets younger and younger for kids. And I tell people your child can be sex trafficked right off the sofa sitting next to you. Yeah. And, and so they don't even have to leave the house. Yep. And, and that, you, you need to know. Who are some of the people who are going to be on our panel today? Uh, my Homeland Security Investigations partner, Michaela Peterson, Special Agent Peterson. She's going to be on the afternoon session because um, I'm going to skip out on that. I have something to do. Um, Tracy Miller, who is one of the um, supervising prosecutors at the county attorney's office. And I've been working with her closely 
gosh, I want to say maybe almost for the eight years or a really good chunk of the time. So she's um, kind of like the legal expert, I'm going to call her. Um, Lieutenant uh, Zach Young with Oro Valley Police Department is going to be there. Um, We've actually overlapped with them a lot. Um, Who am I missing? Commander Watkins from (laughs) Cochise County Sheriff's Department. He's coming up to be a part of that. And uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney is going to be there. And Karen... Durier, I love that name, <laughs> Durier, so French. But anyway, she's going to be there, and I know we're we're skipping somebody, but I can't remember who it is. <laughs> Look at the flyer. Actually, I think that the might mystery be will be solved when you come to the show. Right. <laughs> I mean, there should be, hopefully, everybody there that should be able to answer your questions. We all have a little bit of, uh, obviously, different backgrounds um, and what we've worked with. Um, Somebody will have the answer. Yeah. I'm, and I'm always like, if I don't know it, I'll find out for you. And we're going to have lots of resources. We've got tables uh, with materials that you can take with you that are all not directly related or connected, I should say, to the specific documentary, but they are all on topics that are going to be talked about. So I have information on sexting and sextortion, how to talk to your kids about sexting. We'll have information on sex trafficking, um, general internet safety, dangerous applications to be aware of that are on your kids' phones, slang terms to be aware of because, you know, kids don't speak good English nowadays. Everything's like abbreviations. <laughs> a, yes, exactly. Um, just some really good informational basic stuff um, and things that are going to be able to help you have those conversations with your kids. We're going to give you the tools to put into your toolbox or so you don't have to do all the work. Exactly. <laughs> so if you've got kids, this is where you want to be. And we're going to have a raffle. There'll be a raffle there. We've got an ice cream maker and a margarita maker. We've covered the bases, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a hot day. So, yeah, come come down there and check it out. We'll have all kinds of resources for you to, to learn from and stay cool, get your questions answered. And I appreciate you coming into the studio this morning yeah, and, and talking to us and reminding people that we've got this event going on today and we hope everybody shows up. And school is starting, so those kids are going to be out and about and online and and communicating and socializing and making all those new friends. So they, uh, these documentaries are excellent to uh, open your eyes if you're not really sure what's going on. Yeah, be picky about your friends. Yeah. And like I said, the only people that want these departments defunded and dismantled are the criminals so be careful who you vote for yes john next week we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna be talking to um dea the drug enforcement administration we've got some people coming in who have lost their children because of these so we want you to tune in next week too so until then see you at the movies
Hi, this is Sherry asking you to save the dates. On August 5th, Law Matters is hosting a free double feature movie presentation on topics that affect all youth in today's digital world. Bullying, sextortion, and how your children are being sex trafficked right out of your home. Every teacher, parent, and age-appropriate student should attend. After each movie, there will be a Q&A panel made up of law enforcement and prosecutors to answer your questions. Tune in to Law Matters every Saturday morning at 8, and updates will be posted on the lawmatters1030.org website as details develop. 